Hello and welcome to the Focus Compounding Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Hope it's going well. I'm sitting alongside my partner, Mr. Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Andrew. What's your last name again? My name is Gannon. Gannon, all right. (laughs) Mr. Jeff Gannon. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you're listening to this on the website or if on Jeff blog, or if you're listening to it on iTunes, we really mm-hmm. thank everybody for uh, tuning in with us. So today we're going to be doing an investing topic sort of episode, and it's going to be on spinoffs. Yep. And um, you know, we're just going to sort of give our general ideas on it. Every now and then, we we really the we want to cycle through just topics and questions and uh, that people ask of us, and then investing ideas, of course. And uh, for this one, we're going to be going over topic, and that's like I said, it is spinoffs. So when did you first come across spinoffs? Hmm. Uh, the first time I remember really uh, coming across spinoffs as an idea is you can be a stock market genius. So that's that's actually the first time I did too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I may have come across spinoffs as in seeing them happen, but as an idea of as a particular type of investment to make. Yeah. Yeah. And what what was it that attracted you to them? Was it the book it's themselves? Yeah. The and, book and was how he, that way. Yeah. I mean. Pretty much when Joel Greenblatt wrote that book, his fund, Gotham Funds, back in, was it the 80s? Is when he. Uh, through the 90s. It may have started in 89. Was pretty much all, I mean, his they were pretty much a, a special situation fund, yeah, right? That's all they did was arbitrage or spinoffs. And, yeah, he, and, all yeah. different kinds. And that yeah. book he mentions uh, recapitalization, yeah, spinoffs. He did uh, leaps. Um, yeah. yeah, so leaps is sort of creating a special situation, I guess, in terms of the leverage there. Yeah. Yeah, um, but no, it wasn't straight stock picking of things where there was no event happening. Yeah, uh-huh. and why do you, I mean I kind of I like spinoffs. I think because there's not a lot of bias because there's no current market price for it. So yeah, I feel like you, it that. really you get um, you could really come and do your own work and then come to your conclusion without having to worry about like oh wait well it's actually trading at fifty dollars and this appraisal price is way off or whatever you know all the biases that we can sometimes fall into with um, uh, a ready public company. Yeah, those are that's my favorite part about it is um, doing it before the spinoff, mm-hmm. not knowing exactly how the market will value the different pieces. Yeah. Do you think that spinoffs are a good place for people to start? I mean, I think Charlie Munger, when yes. they asked him where would he start if he was um, or, or getting into investing, I think one of the things he said was spinoffs. Yeah, I think microcaps and spinoffs. Yeah. Microcaps in the sense of very illiquid. I think stocks that are very illiquid and stocks that have been spun off are two of the most attractive uh, areas to look. Why is that? Because uh, I've just seen how some investors don't pay attention to them. They drop them. Um, they just don't treat them the same as other stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you should invest blindly in all spinoffs. Yep. I'm not saying that. And, and in fact, I have two stocks um, in the top three stocks that I own uh, that are were spinoffs. That's how I bought them. Mm-hmm. Um in both cases, though, uh, the other piece of the company has not performed well. So the piece that I bought performed well. The piece I did not buy, really? the piece I sold off, did not do well. Mm-hmm. So I own BWX Technologies. And uh, the other part of that, um, Babcock and Wilcox Enterprises, has not performed well. And I sold that off um, after holding it for a little while after the spinoff, though. And NACO, um, if you look at uh, NACO, which is actually the remaining part of the company, uh, versus Hamilton Beach Brands, at least as of this recording, um, NACO's, I don't know, up 25 or 30%, and Hamilton Beach is probably down 25% or so. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's a big difference when you think about the relative performance. Sure. Do you think um, do you think spinoffs are good 
because historically there's been a lot of studies done right that mm-hmm. have shown that historically like if you bought a basket of spinoffs it's actually outperformed the market sure so i think by like what i mean I, I in the book he talked about it a little bit yeah i think since then it hasn't performed as well imagine that right and <laughs> i think that in some other countries sometimes it hasn't performed as well i think there are two things about spinoffs that are that are reasons why they work out well uh-huh. one is it tends to have you focus on the company that is uh has some sense of sh- like shareholder value because mm-hmm. why are they doing the spinoff to create value right sure like a lot of companies could just keep the businesses together mm-hmm. there's a spinoff happening there could be other reasons why they do it but there's a greater chance that there's something about shareholder value that there's some concern about capital allocation there's some concern about the stock price okay the other part of it is generally a company will spin off only because they can't sell it i mean there's some who want to avoid taxes and who are um want to there's some capital allocators who are really good and may do really complicated deals and things but the average company would rather sell something than spin it off Mm -hmm. and so often they'll have Actually, just because it's easier, cleaner, you think, or what? Um, I think also they get credit for it and they get to keep it. Yeah. So if you spin off, it could be going with another management there, and it's no longer part of your company. Sure. If you sell it, you get something for it yeah. that you then get to invest in, in your little fiefdom, mm-hmm. right? I think yeah. that that is part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think that, yeah, that in general, I think people, like management tends not to get enough credit for spinoffs. Some people do, where people go back and track oh how the spinoffs did and everything, sure. and realize that it's actually a pretty good record. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty where uh, I think that in general that's not going to get you on the cover of magazines. Is yeah. spinning things sure. off now. Where where do you typically first hear about spinoffs? Like how did you hear come across NACO, which is a spinoff situation? Oh, well, that was a Clark Street value. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, that so was typic- a blog. So do you, you come across the situations? by just kind of reading around or do you have a specific place that you kind of go to or i think because i go Mm -hmm. to i think the website's called spinoff monitor i think one of those or something like that uh there's a list of like all the upcoming spinoffs and stuff that you could read about Mm -hmm. yeah so the i I guess like even when i said that's where i found naco that's not really true i knew that naco was supposed to spin Mm-hmm. Actually, I'd known that NACO was tr- supposed to break up the company many years ago. So you knew about NACO. So you knew about NACO prior to the spinoff, right? But I hadn't analyzed it carefully with the idea of owning the coal company. Yeah. But when I read that blog post, that's what I decided mm-hmm. that that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I had known about it a little bit because they had spun off another company previously. So I had actually researched that company, not trying to research NACO, but researching the the um, materials handling company that they had spun off before. And actually, maybe around the time of the financial crisis, they had thought about spitting off Hamilton Beach before. Yeah. So I guess I had known about it then, too. But there's all sorts. You just read so much investing news and so many things about they might spin something off. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that never turn out to actually happen. Sure. What do you look for, I guess, in a spinoff situation? Like, what's a what do you like to see? Simple business with a moat. Is what I want. Yeah. Um, I, I want something that I can understand, uh, that I can appraise. So you pretty much you approach it the same way you approach every single stock. Do pretty you think, much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look. And at, I think that's a that's um, part of like when I talk about BWX Technologies. Yeah. People look at it today and think that I bought like a quality 
um, company at like a good price and everything. And that's not how it happened. I bought it as part of a spinoff at like a value price. Uh-huh. And so you're not going to get the results that I got in that stock by just going out and looking for a high quality stock and buying it today. Did you buy it the day of the spinoff? I bought it before. So pre-spin. Yeah. I became convinced that management was really going to do stuff, um, that they were serious about, uh, breaking up the company or creating value that way. I wasn't a hundred percent sure the spinoff would happen at uh-huh. the time that I invested. There was also a money losing division that they hadn't closed down yet, but I figured they were going to. Um, and I just liked the price at what it was at. I was concerned it might run up before the spinoff. It didn't. So I was, do you remember what price you bought it at? Uh, 20 something. I don't remember the exact price. What's it currently trading at? Uh, between 1664 yeah something like that um but that's only the half yeah sure uh-huh. right the other half is is uh i forget have you invested in many spinoffs or is that was that the first one was that the first one that i invested in um hmm i don't know about that that's an that's a good question i think that um babcock was the first that i remember putting a lot of money into a spinoff uh in terms of liking the quality of the company I'm trying to think if I ever invest in a spinoff sort of more as a special situation. That's the other thing that's attractive about it is that sometimes, like NAC is a good example of this, uh, a lot of investors, even value investors, mm-hmm. are interested in it for a different reason than you are. Sure. A lot of people were interested in NACO as a special situation, buy ahead of time or buy the spinoff or sell it pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in it as sort of a way to own a stock that I would otherwise like to own anyway yeah. at a price that I feel like I wouldn't get unless there was a spinoff, yeah. which is sort of the deal with BWX technologies. But, you know, um, we looked at cars.com, mm-hmm. which is a spinoff and it was a spin of a spin sort of. So what had happened was, uh, the old Gannett had spun off its, uh, TV and other assets from its newspaper part of the business. Yep. And then that had subsequently spun off this website. Mm hmm. And so you have a lot of change in the business and you can see something that was there from the beginning uh, and that some investors may have bought it. And I don't know how they did in that case, may have bought it when you do like a sum of the parts, Mm -hmm. but it gives you a chance to look at a a business that is now simple business that you can now value on its own that way. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting because obviously like we talked about spinoffs happen to create value. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think in that regard, you have a little bit of a ha- or a tailwind kind of working for you in that regard. I mean, in most situations, if the spinoff is, I mean, what we like, the management sort of incentivized to make the outcome be favorable. So I guess you also have that working for you too. Yeah, it can be focused on something, I think. Yeah. Um, in the example of um, cars.com, that's an interesting one because they their former customers had been their shareholders, basically. Mm-hmm. So if you go back before Gannett was the basically owned them, um, there were a bunch of different newspaper companies that all had shares in it. And they still have had agreements with those old companies, which are obviously unfavorable compared to what they're going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. So um, another one that that sort of reminds me of, which is a spinoff, is uh, Seritage, which is a spinoff from Sears. And uh, actually, it's a it's a REIT that actually Warren Buffett owns personally, and um, that has deals with Sears at below market leases. Hmm. So they're renting out uh, space to Sears at well below the market value, and as Sears vacates that, they um, rent it out to new tenants at often several times the rate that they were getting from Sears. 
So you have those sorts of changes where it's like interesting. Yeah. it can't report high earnings yet, but it will in the future because yeah. there's change. And you saw that with cars.com. The mm-hmm. new agreements that they strike will be better than the old ones yeah. because they were sort of captive to their customers. Did a big firm, a fund, Starboard, Starboard is that what their, their firm's called? Recently took yeah. an activist position in them as well, right? It was an activist in cars, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Have you been looking at any spinoffs recently? Um, have I been looking at any spinoffs recently? Hmm. K-A-R? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, but we don't know that could, we'll yeah, we don't, know the, we don't know the conclusion of it. And honestly, all they yeah. said is that it'll happen within a year yeah. is the plan. And so that's what you get with spinoffs is a lot of times you get something like that. So what, yeah. So when you first hear about a spinoff like that happening for the viewers to sort of learn, mm-hmm. what do you do? Like, well, what did you do within this situation? Well, that one is like marking down on, um, to follow it yeah because it's a competitor of of copart which um, is a business we both love or mm-hmm. like yeah yeah and i'd actually researched this company before as a peer of copart um it has two sorts of businesses and the part they're spinning off is the one i'm more interested in um but they're they're both okay um the part that they're spinning off is the one i'm more interested in and it has big market share similar to it's basically a it's sort of a duopoly yeah yeah and so that'll be interesting and it's, it's wide moat um, when they do that, uh, there's also, I guess, should we talk about things that aren't spinoffs that are similar to it? I was thinking, um, that in many ways, hostess brands is like a spinoff that way. Sure. Because, uh, because I'm thinking of in terms of, um, to get across to people that it's not the idea that it's just a spinoff. That's the reason why you buy it. Like what you really need to do is you need to read the book. Sure. You can be a stock market genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, you need to go read that book Yeah. because all the things that he invested in all have the same sort of characteristics as a spinoff. Sure. It can be restructurings. It can be all sorts of different things. And yeah. so I think that a company like a private company going public by buying into a public company has a lot of the same features as a spinoff. There's no IPO. Yeah. It's a new, it's a comp, a new company being exposed to the market without an IPO. Yep. It's like why you don't buy into an IPO. A spinoff is the opposite of that. Why you look at a spinoff is because it's in every way the opposite of an IPO. Sure. Yeah. And uh, do you think that, I mean, and he kind of talks about this in, in this book. He thinks that spinoffs have uh, higher returns because there's not, or more opportunities for mispricings because a lot of big funds, for example, can't really play in that in that pond. Do you think that's sort of the case? Yeah, he was interested in ones that are like a really big company spinning off a really small company. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. I mean, look at NACO. I mean, what's the market cap of that company? Right. I mean, less NACO's than market cap is 200 uh, yeah. some million. And, yeah. and when I bought it, it was lower than that. Uh, actually, Hamilton Beach Brands has been valued higher than NACO. Mm-hmm. Um, it has probably market cap even now of 300 some million and it also has debt whereas NACA has net cash. Yeah. So on an enterprise value basis, it's well under 200 million and the liquidity seems to be drying up with NACA. Mm-hmm. Um, I've listened to the earnings calls. I think um, the last earnings call, there was one analyst on it Yeah. and they just kept taking one question after another from yeah. that analyst. Uh, the one before that was similar that way. It has a lot of the features of a really ignored stock now Yeah. and I think it will take a really long time for people to... Do you like that? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm fine with that. I don't mind if a stock's very illiquid. I don't mind if I feel that people don't understand it well. Um, Does it move weirdly, the stock price, day to day? Yeah. It has pretty big moves. Um, It'll often move 4% one way or the other for no reason day to day. Um, It doesn't move as much with the market. Um, I think that that's stuff that is more true now than when it was part of uh, the same company as Hamilton Beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's... You know, and some people may not like that. I think it's probably going to become a more illiquid stock over time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you think that, and, and he sort of wrote about it too in his book, that sometimes the best opportunities for spinoffs are after the first year because a lot of people, you know, either they see this new stock in their portfolio and they're just like, I don't know what that is, and they sell out of it or or whatever. Do you do you believe that to be true? I don't know. It's interesting. Um, uh, you know, with NACO, for instance, it probably would have, not probably, it would have been better to buy it ahead of time. I guess the smartest thing you could have done is buy it well ahead of time yeah. and then sell off Hamilton Beach. Hindsight's as, always 2020, isn't it? It's split. Yeah. Um, but, but that's an interesting one because the two businesses had nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. They're completely different. Yeah. So that sort of thing is really attractive um, that way. Uh, I have seen some spinoffs that are, uh, and the Sears one that I mentioned falls into this category, that are a little iffy in that they might be spinning off something that's financially questionable. Uh-huh. The Sears one's the reverse. Sears is the company that is more financially questionable than what they spun off. Yeah. Um, but... That is a, a thing that I've seen a, a couple times that you do want to be careful about, especially when they load the company up with debt. Yeah. So when NACO spun Or get off, a parting gift or something. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so interesting in spinoff situations, yeah. Yeah, so Cars is, was loaded up with debt, right? Cars.com was... Yeah. They, they, um, the they gave a parting they gift money. to Tecna, right? Yeah. It was like so over like $1.5 or something was like something that. Like that? It was something like that, I remember it was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. so they basically... That's, that's sort of a way of getting a dividend out of it. Yeah. Um, I remember... Oh, I had bought um, Hanes Brands. Okay. So you asked if I had bought a spinoff before. Yeah. yeah, in 2006 or something, I bought Hanes Brands. Um, and uh, that was a spinoff from Sarah Lee. And the way they extracted value from that is they loaded that up with debt, and Sarah Lee got to um, get a dividend out of it. Um, NACO got a small dividend from Hamilton Beach, like $35 million or something. Uh-huh. Uh, they also collected dividends from them throughout the year up to it, too. Um, so that's one where, yeah. I mean, they didn't load it up with debt, though. It's not like Hamilton Beach is a heavily leveraged company. But that is something that they do. So sometimes spinoffs are highly leveraged. Um, if they're cash-generative stuff like Ham- uh, like um Haynes Brands, yeah. as an example, or Cars.com, mm-hmm. it's fine. It, yeah. It's not a problem. I mean, Cars.com, their ongoing costs are virtually like nothing, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'd be really careful with companies like you don't want a, a spinoff of um, capital intensive sort of thing. I, I saw there was a spinoff of a company where um, it was, uh, um, you know, like uh, offshore rigs. Okay. Okay. For oil. And uh, that sort of thing is risky. Because, especially if it has debt on it. Because that whole industry has been good, right, the past yeah. four or five years, yeah. But I just mean as a to be careful when you see a spinoff like that. There's not a lot of history on it. Mm-hmm. It maybe hasn't been through a whole cycle. Yeah. And you want to be very careful about sort of cyclical spinoffs, I'd say. Sure. Um, and, and it's yeah, some spinoffs I think they overload with debt. Mm-hmm. That is true. And so you want to be a little you want to be a little bit careful about that. Um, we mentioned uh, Cars.com, which was heavily loaded with debt. Haynes Brands was heavily loaded with debt. That doesn't mean that they perform badly. Cars.com's been written up too on the website. I remember I did a little, I did a a couple little paragraphs about it, but I think Mm -hmm. somebody else also wrote up about it as well. Yeah, Yeah. and that's an interesting one. It's been a while since the spinoff. Um, That had that didn't perform really well as a spinoff right away, right? No, I I forget where it spun, but I know the months prior to it, it was it was falling, and then I think when Starboard took a position in it, the stock kind of shot up yeah yeah we're like 30 something and i remember i told myself i would be interested in i'd reevaluate it back at 20 dollars a share i think it got to like 22 or 23 mm-hmm. you know so they're 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 again anchoring to a price and you know yeah. but um i think it's above 30 now yeah i, I don't think anything happened immediately with haynes brands um which was like maybe fall of 2006 it was spun off i don't remember anything immediately happening like the price taking off I do, however, remember with BWX Technologies that it was like someone uh, fired off a gun. Yeah. It, 
at, from not long after it was spun off the, that the coal business was separated out from the nuclear business. The nuclear business went up in a straight line for the next few years. Yeah. So that, that can happen. And then especially when you talk about anchoring, if you didn't buy in the first place and then it never comes back down yeah. anywhere close to your price, then, yeah. you know, you can miss out on it. Sure. That's why investing is so hard I, or like the art form. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, you don't, you could be a pro and still kind of miss out on, you know, certain situations or you still fall a victim to, you know, biases and all that sort of stuff. But I guess that's just what keeps it interesting, you know? Yeah. And I think spinoffs anchoring could be a particularly bad problem because you can see the exact price to spin off at. Yeah. I bought an at a price way higher than where it was that morning. Yeah. Talk about a strange spinoff thing there. Yeah. Um, right. There were shares that traded at, um, in the 20s? It's $20 per share, around there. Yeah. Okay, and then I bought it that same day at 32 to 33 Yeah, that was wild. So that gives you an idea of what can happen with a spinoff that wouldn't happen. And, and any you bought it pretty stuff. much at the open too, right? Um, I bought it the same day, but a few hours later, yeah. so I don't remember. If, you know, So it might have been two or three hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that's a big difference there. That one was weird. I, I actually feel that some people may have. This is a weird thing to say, but I really do feel this is true. So, um, Hamilton beach brands, um, there's a and B class shares in NACO Hamilton beach brands. When it was spun off, um, the, whether you had a or B in NACO, you were getting one a and one B. And I do honestly feel that some people may have misread it Mm -hmm. and thought if you had B, you would get one B share. Hmm. If you had a, you would get one a share. Uh And so they may have been confused at the moment of the spinoff as to how many shares were outstanding of Hamilton beach brands. Mm -hmm. And then trying to like work back from that to how much should we take off NACO and everything. Sure. That's a very strange thing to say, but I really do believe (laughs) that in those first few hours, something like that was happening that people were actually confused about how many shares were going to be outstanding. Yeah. Um, that one, the company didn't do a lot of explaining how the spinoff would, um, go and they, did this spinoff pretty quickly? Yeah. There's some where there's, especially with bigger companies, there's a lot of presentations about it. Sure. Um, you do often get a presentation where there's a spinoff that looks a lot like an IPO that way that you get like, like a roadshow. Road yeah. yeah, like mm-hmm. a roadshow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely interesting. And I think it's a good place for people to, I mean, even if you're not, you don't need to say I'm going to be a hundred percent spinoffs, but I think it's a good place, a pretty, a good compliment to whatever it is that you're doing. There's nothing wrong with reading every, Spinoff. Mm-hmm. There's not that many of them. Sure. So it's a it's a good one to. But I, the best the best part I like about it is that you don't know what the market price. There's no. I mean, you're kind of giving your own judgment to it. You know, there's no current market price for it. Mm-hmm. And there can be very strange spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we talked uh, off air about IDT doing a spinoff that was a real hodgepodge of assets. Uh-huh. You know, a headquarters building, um, yeah. some investments in some things, some um, rights in some uh, drug-related things, and and so there can be mispricings and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The the odder the asset, the more likely it is that there'll be a mispricing. I I feel and like, the more complicated the situation as well. Yeah, that can be true too. Although you know, the spinoff itself is simplifying the situation for you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, looking at it ahead of time, it looks more complicated and trying to come up with the, some of the parts. You know. The other thing is come up with a value for each of the parts before it's spun off, and then you can pick which one you want. Yeah. And some people are smarter than me, like with NACO, were very effective in trading it. They bought ahead of time. Then when the spinoff happened, they would sell some of one, buy some of the other, you know, when it would move that way if, yeah. it, if it was spun off at a price that they didn't expect. So they could make money on both sides of it. So I think that that's a, a very smart way of doing it. You sort of have um, even more chances to – 
you get two chances for just analyzing one company. Yeah. Cool. Any other thing to add? Nope. I think that's, but I do think that spinoffs are one of the two areas that are most attractive, which is one super illiquid stocks uh-huh. and spinoffs. Those are the two that I, when people ask me, those are the two that I would definitely focus on are really, truly illiquid mm-hmm. and spinoffs. What do you define as illiquid? <laughs> illiquid I like mean, i mean like taking a couple because i know you've owned some pretty liquid stocks i've owned stocks that don't trade some days yeah <laughs> i'm looking at stock right now that, that doesn't trade some days do you want to tell the viewers i don't want to tell <laughs> no, the you viewers don't. what it is because that one could take me a really long time to get yeah of course but i look at it and i say well you know i look at my month does that ever make you nervous no no because you just i mean to a lot of people well of course take like um, money managers out of it that could not own it because of restrictions a lot of people i feel like would kind of be fearful of that not being able to you know get out in one trade or whatever without driving the price up but wpp one of the biggest ad agency holding companies in the world reported results that weren't so good Uh okay they were maybe said their guidance was like you know we'll be down three percent next year save up three percent something like that along those lines right that stock dropped i think at the open about 20 percent. wow so what good liquidity do you (laughs) yeah that's a good point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it depends on the asset. Would I be really scared of owning something illiquid that I want to trade? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. You need to be aware of what the underlying return in it is in terms of um, being able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But the the weird thing is that illiquid stocks trade often at values that are lower than what the private owner value of it would be. Yeah, I mean, is, you sort of pay up for liquidity in a way. Yeah, but, but what's bizarre about that is at, like a private business uh-huh. is completely illiquid. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Right? But I've seen businesses that because they're a stock that's highly illiquid, they actually can trade at a value that's lower than an entire business. Mm-hmm. And an entire business is always more illiquid than a stock. Interesting. Right? But people think of stocks as... it. That's that's why it relates to like spinoffs that way. There's spinoffs, mergers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like Analysts will drop coverage of it. Yeah. Oh, this is happening now. Well, it's not a normal stock now. I'm not covering yeah, sure. it. You know? Well that's but that's adds to the potential mispricing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why I think it's good for individual investors or you know, everybody listening to this podcast that uh, I mean you you know, wants to find mispricings. That's probably just why it's it's such a good place to look. Yeah, if you don't know what ten K is to read, don't read ten Ks. Instead read the spin off document. Yeah. And do that for each of the ones. And where you can, can you buy. get that? You can get that at Agar. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can look it up there. It's, you can look it up there. It's easy. Um, you just need to know the name of the company and you can type it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think spinoff monitor is a good place to start where you could you get a bunch find of, each of the spinoffs. Yeah. I think they tell all the past ones. So like I said, sometimes opportunities are, are best, um, even a year afterwards. And so you could go through all the ones that have happened for the past year. And even if the stocks have fallen or whatever, it's actually stockspinoffs.com. That's the good one. And then if you go to stock spinoffs and then they have a page, um, recent spinoffs mm-hmm. and upcoming spinoffs, they have a, just a bunch of different information. Like I'm just looking, um, for upcoming spinoffs, March 5th, IDT, uh, they're, they're spinning off a, co- yeah. a real estate company, RFL. Mm-hmm. And you, it's a good source. to. That's I guess, the one I was mentioning. It's yeah. very strange assets that it has. Yeah. yeah. IDT's continually been spinning stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing is that once one comp- a company starts spinning stuff off, sometimes they spin, it keeps happening. So mm-hmm. it's nice to follow a situation where they're sort of breaking the company up. Yeah. I mentioned Babcock and Wilcox. I believe McDermott had spun... Um, 
had to spin off Babcock um, maybe five years before or something because of a legal issue. Um, they couldn't move to another country for tax purposes and still do business with the U.S. government. I think that's what the deal was. So they had to spin off um, Babcock, and then only five years later, they were spinning off again. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned Gannett spin off and followed it like a year later or something by another spin off. Yeah. So it's an IDT has spun off. This might be its fourth spin off or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Yeah. So companies that are sort of breaking up over time are attractive that way. Yeah. 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 So I think it's a good, it's definitely a good place for people to certainly learn more about. Um, go to, you could, you know, download the book or go purchase it. You can be a stock yeah, market genius. Definitely read that book. I think it's, like I said, I think it's one of the best uh, books out there. I mean, Joel Greenblatt, his, obviously his returns are, are pretty good and he's a great investor. And I've, I've also talked about it. If you can um, Google jo- uh, Joel Greenblatt, Columbia class notes or something like right. that. I've also tweeted it out a couple of times. If you don't have that, reach out to me and I could certainly get that to you. It's like 400 pages. I think it was like six years or eight years just of audited class notes. Mm-hmm. And it's all on, it's a special situation class. So it's all on, you know, all sorts of things like that, that we've been talking about. So it's a, it's certainly a great place uh, to learn. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add on spinoffs? Nope, that's it. I Except I would say read a, a blog that has to do with special situations. So like I said, I think Clark Street Value yeah, he's is pretty good. the NACO one. That's a good one to read. Yeah. And look for other ones like That's that, all he that does too, I think, isn't it? Special situations, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all sorts of different kinds of special situations. But yeah. 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 So And he's pretty good at breaking them down and, and um and you know, giving this a good highlight of everything. It's if anything, it's a really good place to start for yourself. Yeah, and read the comment section because like that blog has some really good readers yeah. too. So some blogs have very high quality readers. That's a good example. Yeah, cool. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, to the podcast today. Be sure to go to www.focuscompounding.com and sign up using the word podcast as the promo code to get ten dollars off your monthly subscription price forever. Focus Compounding's where we write about all sort of topics investing related and and our members ourselves write about ideas as well which is pretty cool so you can interact with other people so i'm sure if um if uh car k-a-r yeah k-a-r uh, does carry a spinoff in the next year we'll write about it you know what's funny is i actually have their their 10k in my backpack okay right now k-a-r because i've been following the situation that's one where i'm sure that there'll be at least one right up and probably more on the website eventually yeah definitely so be sure to uh, subscribe or <laughs> join our website, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a sales pitch for you. Okay. So, all right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you in the next podcast. Jeff, get home safe. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>